So Zacchaeus, Luke 19, 1 through 10. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead. He climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So Zacchaeus came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this, and they began to mutter. He's gone to be the guest of a sinner? But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now, I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save what was lost. This is the word of the Lord for us this morning. Thanks be to God. Who are you? How do you answer that question? Who are you? There's some easy ways to answer that. Some basic ways. If you're a student, you can say, well, I'm a student. I'm a parent. Or with pride and joy, I'm a grandparent. I'm a mechanic. I'm a painter. I'm an extrovert. I'm an introvert. I'm a fussy perfectionist, or I'm a chill, laid-back kind of person. Whether it's a job interview, or meeting a new person and doing that awkward small talk, or just setting up a new social media account with a bio section, we're pretty adept at telegraphing bits of who we are in pretty succinct, short sound bites. And when we do so, we're pretty good about not giving too much away. But we know ourselves. There are more ways to answer that question, who are you, than those easy ones. Harder ways, oftentimes more true ways, and most certainly more vulnerable ways. Who are you? Who are you? An honest answer might come back with, well, I'm actually a pretty lonely person. Or to be truthful, who am I? I'm a pretty big gossip. And everyone seems to know it. Or I'm an addict. 
or I'm a bit of a chief. Or I'm really fearful a lot of the time. Or I'm a bully. I don't like it, but it's gotten me so far in life. Or simply, I just really don't know who I am. I don't know how to answer that question, honestly. Who are you? Now, those aren't the descriptors that usually make it into our Instagram bio, or on a resume, or on a first date. But not a single one of us is exempt from these more true parts of ourselves. Sometimes the darker parts of ourselves. The parts that we'd really prefer to keep kind of well hidden. So who are you, really? For Zacchaeus, we're introduced to him in pretty matter-of-fact ways, pretty succinctly. He's a, he's a chief tax collector, and he's rich. Those are his kind of two main descriptors, which doesn't seem too bad, right? They could all go on a resume or fit on a business card. And really, when we come to the story of Zacchaeus, we're predisposed to like him. Because if you're like me, you grew up singing the Sunday school song about what a wee little man was he. And wee little men scampering up sycamore trees is pretty delightful and a whole lot of fun. But two of those descriptors, cheap tax collector and rich, aren't actually so great. Because while it would be a great way to introduce yourself at a dinner party in downtown Jericho, it's not so good here in Luke's Gospel. For starters, in Luke's Gospel specifically, rich folk don't fare very well. Just a few paragraphs before this story here in Luke, Jesus is talking all about that camel and the eye of a needle and the rich person who can't fit through. who can't enter the kingdom of God. Nearly impossible. And then there's his job, chief tax collector, which, if you've been around church any, for any length of time, tax collector you know is mm, roughly a bad guy. A bit dishonest. But he is a chief tax collector. This is the only place in scripture where this, this kind of job description is used. Which means that Zacchaeus had contracts with the Roman government. So he would pay the taxes of the people in advance. He had enough money to do that, so he would front the money to the Roman government. And then he's employing other people to go around and collect the taxes to basically pay himself back. And the way Zacchaeus made money was adding just a tiny service fee on top of those taxes so that he could turn a profit. He's a businessman, after all. And given that Zach is a wealthy man, and as we find out, not particularly liked by his neighbors, we have a good sense that he had a big service fee. 
that what he gained from the system was a lot. That he abused the system for his own gain. So we little Zacchaeus, clambering up that sycamore tree, turns out to be a pretty corrupt and greedy bureaucrat. Not necessarily as funny or as delightful. But this corrupt huckster wanted to see who Jesus was. Something made him curious. Curious enough to, to want a glimpse of this traveling rabbi as he passed through his town Jericho on his way to Jerusalem. So Zacchaeus walks out his front door of his 15-bedroom mansion, his 10-car garage, and he makes his way down the city center along with, it seems, everyone else in Jericho. But the crowd doesn't let him in. And Zacchaeus, as we all know, is a wee little man, and he was too short to see over their heads, let alone their shoulders. He could have gone home. He could have. He could have just turned and walked right back up the hill to his big mansion. But instead, he persists. And he goes around the crowd to a quieter place of the street where he knows that most likely Jesus is going to come through on his way through town. And he glances around to see if anyone sees him. And he loops his leg around that lower branch of a sycamore tree and hoists himself up into the leaves. Where he has an unobstructed view if he pushes the leaves back a little bit. No one's going to stand in front of him. He will get to see what this Jesus is all about. Who this Jesus is. And then Jesus passes by. On his way through the city. And Zacchaeus receives more than a glimpse. Far more than uh, he imagined, I'd wager. Because Jesus stops underneath that sycamore. Doesn't walk past him. Sees him. And calls out. Zacchaeus! It's you in that tree, isn't it? Come on down. I just have to stay at your house today. Now, if you are someone who has, say, made their wealth by scamming other people in not particularly legal ways, would you be super thrilled to have the local pastor of the church next door invite himself over for supper? Probably not. But Zacchaeus immediately welcomes Jesus in. He jumps at the chance to have Jesus over. And so the corrupt and greedy huckster welcomes the dusty rabbi into his home, to his table, with joy. And something, something happens. We're not told exactly what happens. But somewhere between Jesus inviting himself over to Zacchaeus' house and the crowd grumbling about how Jesus chose that worthless tax collector, that huckster to have dinner with, Zacchaeus' life is turned upside down. He's completely undone and reordered halfway through dinner. So he stands up, and he says, Look, Lord, Lord, here and now I give away half of my bank account to the poor of Jericho, 
And if I've cheated anyone out of anything, even a nickel, I'm going to pay him back four times the amount. It's extravagant. It's justice. Zacchaeus started out with curiosity about who this Jesus was. Enough to climb a tree in his own neighborhood and risk facing ridicule and looking a little bit ridiculous for generations after him to laugh at what a wee little man he is. And then by the end of the story, Zacchaeus gives up the life he's known, the life that had made him rich. Because if he no longer has the capital to front the money to the Roman government for taxes, he's no longer a chief tax collector. So he's no longer part of the system that built his wealth and scammed his neighbors. Something happened to Zacchaeus. If someone had asked Zacchaeus, who are you on his way to the sycamore tree, he, he could have brushed them off with a quick and haughty, you know who I am, because everyone knew who he was. And he could have flicked a business card at him just for extra measure. But sitting up in that sycamore tree, Zacchaeus revealed something about himself, something deeper, something more vulnerable, something he'd probably prefer to have kept hidden. He was lost. And then Jesus called him by name, saw him, didn't just walk past, reached out to him. And nothing in Zacchaeus' life is going to be the same after that. Because he was found. Jesus reached out to this greedy huckster, despised by his neighbors for good reason. He reached out to him because he was lost. Today, Jesus says, salvation has come to the house of Zacchaeus because this man too is a son of Abraham, a child of the covenant. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Salvation came to Zacchaeus because where Jesus is, salvation is. And where Jesus is, lost things have a tendency of being found. Where Jesus is, life has a tendency of being turned upside down. So Zacchaeus set out to see Jesus. To see just who he was. And he ends up knowing exactly who he is. Lord, Lord, Zacchaeus said to the Lord, look, Lord, look what I'm going to do. And as soon as he says that, as soon as it goes from Jesus, the rabbi, I'm kind of curious about, to the Lord, his life just gets completely upturned, reordered, rearranged. He's no longer the chief tax collector. He's most certainly no longer rich anymore. 
He is something else entirely. If you were to ask him after Jesus left his house, as Jesus left Jericho and continued on his way to Jerusalem, if you had asked Zacchaeus as he watched Jesus walk away, Zacchaeus, who are you? Who are you? I wonder what he would have said. The easy descriptors were no longer his. And I wonder if he would have said, who am I? I'm his. I'm his. This morning, we witnessed the baptism of Edmund Arthur. We witnessed this little boy be called by name, declared a child of God through the covenant of grace, marked with a tangible sign of belonging in water that dripped down his little face. In my baptism visit with Charlene and Lowell, I learned that above the doorframe of each of their kids' rooms, they've posted child of God so that their kids know as they go out from their room, as they come back at night, who they are. Edmund Arthur will grow up knowing that Jesus loves him, that he belongs in God's people, that whatever comes his way, that he is not lost. He belongs to someone who always finds you. He belongs to a faith to grow into, a love to live out. And we pray, as his older brothers and sisters in the faith, that Edmund Arthur will grow up with curiosity and joy to seek Jesus out, to know him, to know that the deepest and truest answer to who are you is I am his body and soul, in life and in death, I am his. And in each of our baptisms, whether you remember it or not, we know who we really are. A child of God, called out and known, sought after and loved by the one who finds what is lost. And at every baptism, including the one this morning, we hear and are reminded again and again that our baptism is an invitation, a command, a call to a new obedience. To love and trust God completely, to forsake the evil of this world, and to live a new and a holy life. Our our baptism is not just a moment in the past. It's an ongoing process and practice of following where Jesus leads. So for those of us on this journey of faith, maybe a little bit longer than others, we know through experience, right along with Zacchaeus, that when Jesus comes into our home, into our lives, things are going to get moved around (laughs) Things are going to get rearranged. Things are going to be transformed. We are going to be rearranged. We are going to be reordered. We are going to be transformed. 
not just once, but over and over and over again. So as we follow Jesus to Jerusalem throughout the next few weeks, as we turn our attention to the cross and the empty tomb, as we draw closer to Jesus, may you know who you are as a baptized child of God. May you continue to seek out Jesus with curiosity. May you welcome him with joy. And may you respond obediently where Jesus may be changing not just your heart, but your life too. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please pray with me. Our covenant God, we come before you as your people, as sons and daughters loved by you in Jesus. And we are all on varying stages of our journeys. Some of us trusting you without question, some of us doubting, some of us wondering what this even matters, what difference it makes, and some of us just bursting at the seams with the joy of it all. And to each of us, to each of us, you say, you are my child, whom I love. May we walk towards you with joy and curiosity, with obedience and faithfulness. And when we fail, remind us that you are the one who seeks us, who finds us, who saves us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.